0: Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and welcome back to the Brennan Book Blog, a podcast dedicated solely to providing you page-turning reads that will make you curse the clock and miss your stop. I am your host, Kate Brennan, and this is Episode 4, Heartwarmers for the Holidays, go-tos that are guaranteed to give you all the feels. So... Hang your stockings by the chimney with care, grab a hot chocolate, and snuggle up by the fire for books that would make even Scrooge's heart melt. The Rosie Project by Graham Simsian. Darling is the word that keeps ringing in my ears when I start to recommend this book open on Don, a man of incessant lists, deadlines, and meticulously planned menus who does not have the 28 extra minutes he needs because he cannot come up with an alternate solution to cleaning his bathroom. Though it's never explicitly stated, Don has Asperger's. A brilliant statistician and geneticist, he ironically lacks for the one thing inherent to genetic genealogy's success, a partner. So he decides to create a survey to find one. No smokers, no vegetarians, and definitely no one like Rosie. Enter Rosie, the quintessential manic pixie dream girl barmaid who is incidentally in search of her genetic father and who fails the quiz before even taking it. Nevertheless, the two have a rollicking good evening, during which Rosie somehow coerces him to have his standard Tuesday night lobster salad outside, overlooking the skyline, and encourages him to reprogram the clock so that even though they are late, he will still think they're within the schedule. I imagine you can see where this is going. The tone is unsurprisingly similar to the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. It is at times laugh out loud funny as we follow Don's quixotic antics in literal interpretation and scientific deductive reasoning. It's a sweet love story, a how not to dating manual, and more than a dash awkward and appalling when Don gets a room full of Asperger's kids to shout, shoot the baby, shoot the baby, based on the best hypothetical solution to a horrible problem. But at its core, The Rosie Project is a refreshing perspective on what it's like to honestly look for that special someone, because in most cases, Don lacks tact, motive, and guile. It's like using a self-help book to smack someone in the face. They aren't gonna ingest any of the information, but they'll get the point. For some reason, the description of this book led me to believe that the main character was going to create his perfect wife, Small Wonder style. Not the case. There are no robots. I don't know why I thought there were robots. But I also wasn't disappointed by the lack of robots. Turns out, humans are much more complicated machines. The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle. A shimmering tapestry of poetry and motion Spiegel's The Last Unicorn belongs on the ephemeral shelf of adult self-help disguised as children's fables. Wedged between Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist and Antoine de Saint-Exupéry's The Little Prince, it harkens back to a spring of eternal youth, to the childhood nightmares that revisit you as an adult, to a nostalgic longing for a time that may not have even existed. While beautiful and touching, the 1982 animated film adaptation serves only a sliver of the painfully gorgeous landscape of the book. Beagle expertly paints with adjectives and metaphor. His careful strokes bring a masterpiece to life before your eyes, like a painter who suddenly turns a slew of incongruent colors into starry night. At one point in the story, a butterfly alights on the namesake of the book during her quest. He pontificates enthusiastically in riddles and song, seemingly saying nothing while truly revealing everything. While no one can recognize the unicorn, the butterfly sees her for what she is, but then in a moment, he is gone, trailing lilting strains and doubtful meditation in his wake. Much is my experience of the tale, far too profound to appreciate within its pages and too fleeting to describe after the fact, like childhood like lost love, like joy, like a beautiful white mare who once, I could have sworn, was a unicorn. The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin I am going to do something I have never done before. No, not skydiving. I am going to recommend a book I'm reading while I am still in the middle of its whimsical pages. I was interested in this book last week, but on iBooks, the release isn't set until April 1st. I happened to be in Barnes and Noble yesterday and Eureka, there it was sitting all alone on one of the frontmost displays in the store. Naturally, I thought I'd only write to provide it some company. It is a gorgeous book with old, uneven pages and beautiful binding. But at twenty-four ninety-five, it was a bit steep for someone who reads as much and as quickly as I do. So I thought, I'll just read a few pages while I'm waiting for my friend. One hundred pages later, I was still standing dead center at the front display table, a veritable greeter at Barnes & Noble in Union Square, oblivious to the chaos around me and without the least interest in a chair. By the time my friend came to drag me to lunch, I had devoured half of the book— alternately laughing out loud, yeah, really, and so entranced by its world that I didn't even notice when he arrived. The Storied Life follows a younger, jaded bookseller who was recently widowed as he navigates a lonely life of microwave dinners and WMTs, well-meaning townies, who only want to read hardcover bestsellers and who identify the book they want as being, uh, red and shiny. Then, at closing one night, shortly after a priceless book of his was stolen, he hears a baby's cry. And there, in the kids' section, is a delivery he didn't quite expect. The book is jam-packed with literary references that would make any book lover smirk. I mentally highlighted several passages, one referencing how everyone has to say that they like the infinite jest, otherwise they'd have to admit to wasting several weeks of their life. Later in the book, the bookshop owner talks about the baby and his care incredulously and seriously blames Elmo for her penchant to trust and love everyone so easily. He also comments that she wants to read the same book over and over. And by the way, the monster at the end really doesn't hold any surprises. The kid is two. This is the kind of author who is so bright, funny, and insightful that you can't help but want to be friends with her. She's able to transcribe thought processes to the page that you yourself think but wouldn't ever think to write down. I've probably got 100 pages left, so who knows where this heart-wrenching, intelligent, sad, and humorous story will go. And uh, if any of you knows Evan and she wants to hang out, tell her I'll be in the nearest bookstore, finishing up. Hey, Thanks for tuning in to episode four of the Brennan book blog. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends. If not, tell your enemies, just tell someone right now. Brennan book blog is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can check out www.brennanbookblog.tumblr.com for more recommendations immediately. And be sure to check us out next time for episode five, living under scrutiny, an episode right in time to accompany your new year's resolutions. Until then, from Brennan Book Blog, keep calm and read on. WOCU is proud to present Brennan Book Blog with host Kate Brennan, the faculty feature on... Oklahoma City University's B.A. Theater and Performance Podcast channel. Executive producers Mark Parker, Brian D. Parsons, and producing engineer Gregory DeCandia. Student producers are Courtney Beyer, Alyssa Pearson, and Haley Tomlinson. Brennan Book Blog encourages all to keep calm and read on.